We want to be careful today in our service that we make sure that each of us opens ourselves up before the Lord and says, now, Lord, what would you have me to do now? We have been to the polls. Now we need to come to God and come to the church and get ourselves right with God. It's time for God's people to do what God saved us and called us to do. And that is to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. We've gone to the polls. We now need to come to the altar. We need to understand the verdict is not in. The verdict is, well, God's people, which are called by God's name, humble themselves and pray and seek God's face, turn from their wicked ways, come to him. It's one thing to go to the polls. It's another thing to come to God. But thank God for the first time ever in my lifetime, 83% of evangelical Christians, 83% 83 of evangelical Christians at least went and voted. Wonderful, wonderful. But, 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 we need 100% of the evangelical Christians to come back to God. If they are really right with God, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is not a battle for the government. It's a battle between Satan and God. And if you don't like the president and you don't think that uh, he was a man of God, just remember there's a story about Saul in the Bible, but he became Paul. Remember that guy? And he wrote a lot of the New Testament. God can hit a mighty lick with a crooked stick if God owns a stick. Right? And so what we've got to do, folks, is just come to grips with the fact it ain't over till it's over. And it isn't over till the trumpet sounds. And the Lord Jesus Christ descends from heaven with a shout. So in order to start our service today and the preaching part, the way I think God wants us to do it, I've invited two of our most faithful members some of you know these two men and some of you do not. But these two men, over 63% of the voters chose one of them to go to our Texas government in Austin and the other one to go to Washington, D.C. as our congressman, our state representative and our congressman. And I'm going to introduce them in just a minute. But let me tell you, it is so good when you get together and you know that God's still got people out there on the front lines. He's got them out there where it's pretty nasty at times, where it's pretty tough. But when God gets a hold of people, any of us, he can use us in a mighty, mighty way. I want you to welcome two men. I'll introduce them separately in just a moment. But Congressman Randy Weber, elected to the United States Congress last Tuesday, and come on up here with me, guys, because here's what I'm going to do. Ed Thompson, Randy's wife, would be with her, but she's with some of the ladies of Congress this right now. And, and Ed's wife is teaching over in our school. Yeah, just stand up for this prayer, all right? Here's what we're going to do. We're not standing for flesh and blood. We're standing to the glory of God. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have, 
And first of all, Ed Thompson, the state rep, I want him to lead us in a prayer, praying for our state. And then Congressman Weber, our United States Congress, to pray for our nation. Would you join in that prayer? And would some of you represent all of us at the altar that are down here close without thinking about who's going to go forward, just come up and say, I want God to bless my country and my state, and I want him to do it through his people. You got it, Brother Ed? Before Ed prays, I'm going to tell you this. I called him. Y'all come on down real quickly. When I called Ed and Freddie the other night to congratulate them, when we got through, he got Freddie on the phone. Here's what he told me. He said, Pastor, I want you to join Freddie and I in praying for our opponent. He is a Muslim. And I've been trying, Ed said, I've been trying to witness to him during this entire campaign, and I want to keep on praying for my opponent. That's what Christians do, folks. That's what Christians do. And I promise you, Ed, and I hope others of you will do that. We're praying Thank you. for you. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, first of all, before I pray, I wanted to uh, tell you a little bit about the Texas legislature. Uh, there's 150 members in the Texas House, and there's 31 members in the Senate. If you are a student of the Bible, you know there's 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. And there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. <laughs> and I don't think that was by accident. Amen. So let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come to you this morning humbled. Humbled with uh, your many, many blessings. Father, your tender mercies and your loving kindness. Father, we know that this great state of Texas is what it is because of your hand and what you do. We know that the prosperity and the peace of this state depends upon you. Amen. And Father, I pray, dear God, that uh, that prosperity and that peace will be sent to each and every city and community in this great state. Father, I just pray that uh, people We'll take the opportunities that are available here in this great state and that we'll continue to grow them. Father, I lift up our governor, Governor Abbott, and our Lieutenant Governor Patrick, our Speaker of the House, Joe Strauss. Father, I pray for this leadership. I pray, dear God, that uh, you will be with them and their families and that you will give them leadership. You will give them the uh, wisdom and the discernment of what is right and what should be before us as we deliberate everything that we do in the legislature. Father, as we begin the 85th legislative session, I pray your Holy Spirit will be in the Capitol. I pray, dear God, that in each and every office, in each and every hallway, uh, your Spirit will be there. And Father, I pray for each of my fellow legislators and their staffs. And Father, we know the pressure and the time and the time away from their families. And Father, I lift up those families to you. I ask, dear God, that you will uh, place your arms around them and give them uh, that hedge of protection as their loved ones are away in Austin and, and serving. Father, I pray that we will honor you, that uh, we will glorify you in this 85th legislative session. And Father, I pray that you will uh, give us your eyes to see humanity the way that you do, your heart for the brokenhearted, and your ears 
to hear the cries of the innocent. Father God, I pray that uh, you'll just be with us. Thank you, dear Lord, for what you do, and thank you for this church and what it means in my and my wife's life. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Remain standing with your head bowed as Congressman Randy Weber. Let's pray for our nation. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, your name is so hallowed that in your book, in the book of Psalms that my brother Ed referred to, you said, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. And Father, yet our nation has gotten away from your law. Lord, we think we're so smart. We've kicked the Bible and prayer and Ten Commandments out of school, tried to remove you. And Lord, we've replaced all of your precepts with drug-sniffing dogs, with metal detectors, and with uniformed armed police officers. Oh, Lord, forgive us for being so foolish. Father, we've even tried to trample on your institution called holy matrimony marriage, Lord. We've called it a civil union of an alternate lifestyle. Father, our nation is so far adrift of your precepts. Forgive us. Lord, you said in Deuteronomy 30.19 to choose life that we and all of our descendants may live. But Lord, we're killing our descendants. They're not living. Lord, we're calling them a, a choice. Oh, Father, forgive our nation. Lord, you said in the book of Proverbs, Ed referred to, that the borrower is slave to the lender. Lord, you warned us. And yet our nation has a debt of $20 trillion. We've forgotten your precepts, Lord. Forgive us. Father, you promised Israel that a remnant would return, Lord. Faithful people, Lord. Father, you said if we would humble ourselves and pray, as Pastor John said, Lord, you would forgive us of our sins and heal our nation Lord, I've just laid out the reasons we are so far adrift of you. Forgive us of our corporate sin, please, Father. Heal our nation. Help us to turn from our sins and to call unto you and to be healed. And once again, that, that city on a hill, Lord, the light, the bushel on a hill that you called us to be. Father, you said pray for our leaders. Lord, I'm praying for Barack Obama and his family. Lord, that they would turn their hearts towards you and you would bless them, Father. I'm praying for Donald Trump and his family. Nah. Lord, this is the time when our nation is so desperate and needs you. Why can't we see that? Father, please, please, raise up, raise up a group of people who will pray. We're never so tall, stand so tall as when we're on our knees, Father. Help us to get on our knees and to call out to you and beg you, Lord, we're begging you. Forgive our nation, Father. Help us to turn back to you and be the light you intended us to be. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. <clears throat> amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. <clears throat> I want you to open your Bible, if you would, to the book of Matthew. Uh, I want you to go to the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 5, when, where Jesus is speaking, and I want to read to you 12 verses, verses 1 through 12. Listen to what Jesus says 
to all of us today, just as he said it to those that were present on that great day. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, that's Jesus, and, and his disciples came with him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Listen to verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. I also want you to listen to Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. If I could go back to the Sermon on the Mount and pick up the 20th verse in that fifth chapter, for I say unto you, now listen, church, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about righteousness. It is righteousness that exalts a nation. It is righteousness that changes the lives of families and individuals and cities and states and nations and the world. But we live in a time when it is so easy to just throw that aside and believe that if we just simply say the right things and occasionally do the right things, and exercise our right, like the right to vote. But there's a difference from exercising your right and being righteous. It is not exercising your rights, it's being righteous that God will bless. And to be righteous, you have to be right with God. The only way that a nation can get right with God is for God's people to get right with God, individually. And for us to think just by doing our duty, our civic duty, to go out and vote and yet do not plan to come back to the house of God to worship. We don't plan to give our tithes to the Lord. We don't plan to serve. We don't plan to do anything but keep on doing what we're doing and then believe that God is going to heal our land, bless our families, bless us as individuals. That is not what the scripture says. The scripture says it's righteousness I will ultimately bless. You start off by doing right, but righteousness is not something you just do. It's something that God gives you when you get right with him. If every person in our world today or in our nation or state or city or family or even in our lives, if we started thirsting for righteousness. And when the Lord brought to us that are thirsty, the
the fountain of righteousness, him. If we did that, think what would happen. Think what would happen if you could once again trust your spouse. You could trust your government. You could trust your pastor. You could trust your church. You could trust things that are important to God. Think what would happen. But yet, just by every once in a while, just doing something right and thinking that's righteousness, we've missed it, or 180 degrees, I should say. But I want you to listen closely. There's no verse in all the Bible that explains what a Christian is more than what I've just read to you. Christian people are a righteous people, righteous by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not their own. They're bought with a price. Their loyalty is not to political parties. Their loyalty is to God. Their loyalty is not to church the organization, but to church the body of Christ. And so when we come together today and some are, are grieving and some are rejoicing, but that really doesn't make any difference. It's where is God in all this? What is God doing? We, we have to seek first his righteousness. <laughs> then the good things will begin to happen. We, we don't want to treat the symptom. We want to treat the disease. The disease is sin. Sin is a reproach to any people. Sin will destroy an individual, a family, a marriage, and a country. We cannot, we cannot vote for sin. We cannot introduce the world to sin. Righteousness, one of the things that I plan to say later, but I don't want to miss this, if there's anything in your life that's leading people to be unrighteous, you need to get rid of it right now. You don't want to lead your families and your friends to follow after unrighteousness. If you're taking anything into your body, if anything's coming out of your mouth, if your actions in your family or in your school or in your city or in the place you work does not bring glory to God, this is the time to get right with God. And when you get right with God, then righteousness begins to come and God can move on to chapter two and chapter three and chapter four. But if there's anyone here that thinks all you gotta do is just get saved, pray the prayer, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Get saved and live like the devil and everything is fine. It's not fine. I'm sorry, but whenever you get saved, the devil is still alive. You make it a little bit tougher for him, but as long as he can fight you, he will knock you right to the ground. But when you call upon the name of the Lord and you call him into the fight, God, help me. I am so close to making a terrible mistake in my life but I want to come to you and I want to be right. I hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want to start thinking different. I want to start doing things differently. I don't want to be one of the 64% of the men, according to Barna's survey, that watch pornography at least once a week. I'm not into that. I want out. If I'm in, I want out. I want to follow you. I want my life to be a life where I will bring joy to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit but at the same time, I will use my influence to bring people to Jesus Christ. And I want them to see Jesus in me. That's righteousness. Now, folks, as bad as that might sound to some, that's the only way and the only hope for America is to get right with God. To get right with God. 
So many people bound by sin, and they're not even praying to get free out of it. They're praying they don't get caught. They're praying that they don't overdo it, but they don't want to get free. The Bible says, you shall know the truth. Well, what's the truth? Jesus said, I am the what? I'm the truth. You get the truth, and what does the truth do? The truth sets you free. See, the truth is, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are drawn to sin, even after we're saved. But he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. And so whenever we see it coming, we stop and call upon God and say, God, use me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Sin just separates us from God. Therefore, a desire for righteousness is a desire to be right with God. Anybody need to get right with God today? Anybody get right this week? I wonder how many people I'm talking to right now, you're mad as a hornet. And it's all about your politics. Folks, if you want to get mad, let me sick you on somebody. S-A-T-A-N. Satan. Okay? You know, in the word Lord, you got an R and a D. I guess that's Republicans and Democrats are both in the name Lord. Okay? But you need to get the other two letters and add them to these others. And what? Jesus is what? Lord. He's Lord. Not an R, not a D, but he is Lord. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The world is controlled by sin. Are you controlled by sin? The world as a whole is controlled by sin. Are you controlled by sin? Well, if you're not, it's because he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. Satan is very wise, very crafty, very deceiving, and he's very strong. But to be righteous means to live like Jesus. To be righteous means, and all the Beatitudes, all the Beatitudes, every one of them, what it's teaching us is how to be holy as he is holy. Never in my lifetime have I seen a greater opportunity to see the church have real revival. We are hearing everybody in the secular world still shaking their head. They don't get it. You know why? Because they've never seen God's people come together. God's word is so clear about the things that are tearing this nation apart. God loves all of us. But instead of introducing our friends to sin, we need to introduce our friends to Jesus. Remember last week we talked about the prodigal son? The prodigal son one day came to himself. And what did he do? He ran back home to the father. You remember that first day you were saved? Remember that first week, first month, first year? You remember that time you walked out of the Baptist and said, I'll never sin again as long as I live. I remember the night that I got baptized. People asked me, what, does it feel? what do you feel like? I said, I feel like a thousand pounds was lifted off my back. Didn't even know what a thousand pounds was. But I just felt like it had been lifted off my back at age seven. And we sing those songs. What a wonderful change in my life was wrought. What happened? Jesus came into my heart. See, when Jesus comes into your heart, you're not influenced by what the television says. You're not interested about what anybody says. Matter of fact, some people go to church and do not even know if the preacher's preaching the gospel or something he thought up. Have no idea. Because they don't know the word of God. They don't know, thus saith the Lord. 
they want to go after popularity. They want to go out, out of what's in and what is vogue. And many of our young people like Demas, Paul said, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. He came out for a while, but he went back in. But what we've got to come to today is that if we're going to follow Jesus, it is a 24-hour job, and it is very important that righteousness be at the top of the list. I must be righteous as he is righteous. Did you ever uh, get one of these, uh, not if, I know you did, if you ever bought anything, it got an instruction manual. You women read those things, we men file them, and hope we can remember when it breaks down what we did wrong. But I've noticed something that's a common denominator in all instruction manuals. It's called a troubleshooting page. I seem to read that more than anything. I never read the other. But if I can get my wife to tell me where the refrigerator book is, I turn right to the troubleshooting page. And it's amazing how quick I can find out. But you see, this tells us where the trouble is. This is the instruction book, and the Beatitudes are one of the clear troubleshooters. Well, what in the world is wrong with America? We're not a righteous nation. We're not one nation under God. We still have our wars on every kind of front, but if we come to that point that we're going to listen to what Jesus says and understand that being born again is to start over again with a fresh start with God living in us who is righteous. And he says, as I am righteous, I want you to be righteous. So I want to live my life through you. So when Sunday comes and you decide, am I going to go to church or not? Well, what did Jesus do? The Bible says it was his custom on the first day of the week to come to the worship house to worship with the fellow followers. That's the Bible. Yeah, but I've got a, no, you got a sin in your life. That's what you got. God wants his people to follow him. And it is so easy, easy to find the answer to the trouble if you get under the teaching and the preaching and the singing and the fellowshipping of the word of God. He never, ever walks out on us. That 20th verse Except your righteousness exceeds the, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. What's he talking about? He's talking about coming into a right relationship of lovingly walking with him. As we seek righteousness, I want you to think of these three things. Number one, the delicate nature of the Christian life is tough. Narrows the way that leads to eternal life. When we think about serving, when we think about praying, when we think about attending, when we think about giving, what does our righteousness show? Does your giving financially show your priorities? With, did every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father? Do you acknowledge him with that? The spiritual gift he's given you, do you use it for the glory of God? Do you do that? Do you study the Word of God? Do, do you take these things that God tells you to do and, and do it because the Lord says you, you are so easily tempted and Satan is so strong that if you don't have me in your life, you cannot survive. You cannot survive. Matthew 6, 33 
is the solution to all this. Is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other stuff will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient into the day is evil thereof. You know, it's good, folks, that as, as bad as it is when you go to bed at night, if you just kind of say your prayer and say, Lord, just speak to me even in my sleep. And then as I open the Bible in the morning, show me your word. And God shows you his word. You see, that's exactly what I've been looking for. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they'll do what? See your good works. Well, what's your good works? It's your righteousness. Where'd you get that from? You got it from the Lord. Let others see Jesus in you, see? Let your light so shine before men, they'll see the good works, but what are they going to do? When they see Jesus in my life and in your life, they're going to glorify the Father in heaven. What our job is to do is to pray for our, our friends and pray for our enemies. We're to pray for those that agree with us and those that don't agree with us. We're to pray for those that are walking with God. God, give them more. And pray for those that are not walking with God. God, bring them home. Bring them home. But do not do it for the glory of yourself. Whatever you do in word or deed, the Bible says, do it all for the glory of of God. Don't remind people of how righteous you are. They'll determine that. And when we live our life, it ought to be very simple. I just want others to see Jesus in me. That old song, let others see Jesus in you. Keep on telling the story. Let others see Jesus in you. And someone said, when you tell the story, use words if you have to. If not, let your light shine in a dark world. Folks, we need to pray for the Christians that have been elected. If God's people have been the major part of electing them, let's pray to God. Because all the demons of hell are going to come against them. I don't know Mike Pence, the vice president of the United, elect of the United States now. But I do like that the man that's president said, I'm going to put you in charge, my staff. I do know people know him. They said he walks with God and his family walks with God. And he loves God with all of his heart. He's a real dude. Let's pray that we're getting right information. And for those of you that are just mad, get over it. <laughs> and I'm not talking about politics here. I'm talking about get right with God. That stuff's got to be thrown out the window. We're one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. And we ought to see that our leadership does that very thing. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in God's sight. God loves the rich and the poor. The, the, new, the new citizen and the person that is born here and has 16 generations or whatever. We've got, folks, to get right with God. Church, Quit putting the pressure on Washington and Austin. Put it on the church. Demand that the preaching and the teaching be God's word. Demand that the church is living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Demand that God's church does what God wants God's church to do, and that's to tell lost people about Jesus Christ. We're not a part of the culture. We're a part of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we have a responsibility that's not given to those 
that serve us. It's given to the church, the bride of Christ, and we are to do what God wants us to do. Our number one goal, and I must close, is that others see Jesus in us. I had a call yesterday morning from a dear friend. His color of his skin is different from mine. But I love him with all my heart, mind, and soul. And he goes all the way back to the days of Martin Luther King. A man called me on the telephone. And he shared his heart and I shared mine. And it was a sweet time together, folks, because here's the thing that the two of us agreed on. Jesus has got to have preeminence. It's not the color of your skin. It's what's in a man's heart. And what's got to be in our heart is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ comes in the heart of people, this other stuff is going to fade away. And we're going to live as God wants us to live. As Congressman Weber prayed, marriage is going to become a holy institution on earth as it is in heaven. And that we are going to love the unborn. And we're going to love people that are struggling and need help because that's what Jesus did. It is not about flesh and blood. It's about righteousness in the heart of the people of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord, what does the Bible say? Say so. But you don't just say so at the pole. You become a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And that is a huge difference. How can Christians walk together unless they be agreed? Hey, we can walk together and we can agree if we can just go away from here today saying Jesus is Lord. He is the righteous one. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Wherever he leads, I'm going to go. I am not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ as the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But I will not, I will not turn to the right or to the left. I will humble myself under the mighty hand of God and in due time, we'll let God take care of his final decision. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we'll never have righteousness until God's people get right with God. Knowing there's none righteous, no, not one. As far as flesh and blood, there is one righteous called Jesus and he wants to live his life through us. I want to lead you in something with head bowed and eyes closed. I want to lead you to repeat after me these words. Are you ready? Throughout this day, everything I do, everything I say, everything I think, everything I attempt will be to glorify God. God's looking for the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, throughout the whole auditorium to show himself strong in behalf of people whose heart is perfect toward him. Our nation can get right, but not until God's people get right. Folks, the buck stops with us. Don't point the fingers at anybody else. When revival comes in the church, riots will stop in the street and God will take charge.